Hello and you are listening to Scar Joe A Gogo, the podcast where I chronicle and dissect the films of Scarlett Johansson in chronological order. I'm Luke and this week I'm talking about The Avengers. We're here to learn, not just to yawn, for our most loved celebrity. We'll watch the screen, what can we glean from her career trajectory? Cause she'd prefer if you'd refer to her as Miss Johansson. Don't be a jerk to Miss Johansson. Respect her work. She starts off really small and then she grows, she grows, she grows, she grows. Let's see how far she goes. Scar Joe go. To me, Iron Man 2 was like a really nice looking car. The problem was that when you lifted the hood, you discovered that it was all held together underneath with string, bubblegum, a couple of chickens had made a nest in there. But is that any reason to throw out the car? No, of course not, because the body's still nice. What we need is a skilled mechanic, a talented fixer-upper who can get in under the shell. Do cars have shells? I might be thinking of crabs here, but someone who can get in there, spot all the flaws, and figure out what is going to make things work. Fix all of the mistakes, and ultimately improve upon what is already there. So enter director, writer, Joss Whedon, our fixer-upper of the evening, who takes all the characters from the messy Iron Man 2, he adds in Cap, Thor, the Hulk, he mixes them all together in their first big screen team-up. I'm talking, of course, about the Avengers. But more specifically than that, we're here, of course, to focus on what I speculate to be Whedon's passion project, because here is a man who is known uh, for very much assisting in the creation of strong, smart, even sassy female characters. So can Joss Whedon come in? Can he take the fledgling Black Widow, our own Scarlett Johansson, that was introduced to us, this character, this new Black Widow, her superhero character, introduced to us in Iron Man 2? And can he fix the mistakes of the past and give her the character she deserves. Will Joss Whedon be all up under the Black Widow's hood, tinkering around with her bits, shooing away all of those pesky chickens? Dear listeners, we're about to find out. But first, when we last left Scarlet, you might recall she didn't actually buy a zoo, as promised in the deceptively titled We Bought a Zoo. Matt Damon, in fact, bought a zoo, and Scarlet came along in a package deal along with all the animals. However, you know, despite the fact that I I said at the time I did not love Cameron Crowe's based on a true story animal adventure, uh, admittedly mainly for the fact that monkeys didn't drive cars or ride elephants, roller skates, anything like that, Scarlet herself did actually do an admirable job playing a strong, confident, knowledgeable zookeeper who was both believable and nuanced. She was back on track. But forget all that zoo stuff. I am super keen to talk about Black Widow some more. So, The Avengers. Uh, This is a film that came out in 2012. We're right at the pointy end at this 
point. Redundant. And look, this might be a little bit controversial, particularly in the geek community, but I'm going to confess, I did not love The Avengers the very first time I saw it. And I saw it at a midnight screening. I'm getting too old to go to midnight screenings. I was tired. I was exhausted. I'd I'd been at work all day. The audience was really amped, really excited to see some Avengers stuff. And I think it was just a lot funnier than I expected. And the audience treated it like it was a sitcom. There was uproarious laughter all the way through it. I think I was disappointed because um, we're going to full spoiler mode, of course, here. You've all seen the Avengers. There'd been rumours that there was a second villain other than Loki. I was convinced it was Thanos, uh, which it turned out to be. But I thought, like, we were going to see more of him and that there was going to be more story and more twist. And when that entire last act basically turned into a repeat of Transformers Dark of the Moon, the city destruction. Although, of course, Avengers does it a lot better. You know, I was disappointed. However, in subsequent screenings, I began to really appreciate just what Joss Whedon was putting together here. I really love these characters, and I have grown to absolutely love this film. It is a hell of a lot of fun, and it has so many wonderful, memorable sequences. Even watching it again for this show, I had a big smile on my face. It's like the third highest grossing film of all time, So I'm not going to go through it plot point by plot point. I'm really just going to focus on the Scarlett Johansson Black Widow sequences. And luckily for us, there's a lot of meat in those scenes. But if you really haven't seen it, and I assume if you've waited this long, you just have no interest, you don't ever want to see it. Basically, in a nutshell, there's a Tesseract, which is a glowing cube thing. And Thor's brother, the god of mischief, Loki, gets hold of it. And he's working with aliens. And the Avengers are a group of super bros who aren't bros to begin with. But they become bros. And they save New York after taking part in billions of dollars of damage. And they are a green rage monster, the Hulk. Man in a flying robot suit, Iron Man. God of Thunder, Thor. Captain America, who's a super soldier from World War II. And then an archer and a spy with a gun also get to hang out with them too for some reason. Scarlet is the spy with the gun and she is awesome. So let's talk all about her scene specifically. I know there's a lot of pressure here. I know this is a very beloved film. I know you've all got lots of opinions on it. Well, listen here, buddy. I don't give a shit what you think. I'm here to tell you the real deal. Okay, we first see Scarlett Johansson about 11 and a half minutes into this film. We're in what I believe to be a Russian train yard, and our first close-up of Scarlett is her being slapped across the face by a thug. A lot of information to take in immediately. We see that she's tied to a chair, she's sweating, she's breathing heavily, she's... um, Looking perhaps a a little bit anxious at first, but there's already this sense of sort of underlying bad assery, assery, bad assery. We'll we'll do it my way. Um, About her as she she takes the slap and then kind of rolls back to attention. It's really a great reveal of the character. And she's wearing a black cocktail dress here, so we can assume she's been undercover. Um, This isn't the superhero costume, not the catsuit. And unlike the last film, Iron Man 2, where her hair was long and wild and curly and whipping around all over the place, her hair is cut above her shoulder this time, which I think um, is far more practical and also looks a hell of a lot better in my opinion. 
She looks a lot more refined and sophisticated here than I think she did in Iron Man 2. So tied to a chair, surrounded by thugs, we would assume that she's in some kind of trouble. And her first line is spoken in Russian, multi-talented here. I'm not going to give you that, but I will give you the subtitled version, which is, I know how you wanted this evening to go. Believe me, this is better. And this is the husky voice. She's incredibly focused on these guys. She has a ton of presence right from the beginning. But you know, these guys are calling her bluff, and she does look panicked as they lean the chair back over the hole in the floor. Uh, she's shaking, and we get a shot of her stockinged feet as they kind of leave the ground. And uh, this surprised me. I thought this was interesting because if you've listened to this podcast series, you'll realize that we sort of discovered along the way it wasn't something we went looking for, but that there are shots of her feet or references to her feet in so many films that came before this. Just off the top of my head, I think of her um, touching and, and rubbing her feet in films like um, The Man Who Wasn't There. Or the first thing we see of her is her feet in Love Song for Bobby Long as the camera pans up her. She injures her foot in Lost in Translation and, and Bill Murray touches it as they go to sleep. Sort of become an unexpected trademark for Scarlet. And as I said before, I'm not a foot fetishist. I've got no interest in that stuff. I'm just saying it's always on the screen. And I was surprised that it's even here in the Avengers film. And we also get a shot of the Russian spoils, which is this big pile of paintings, guns, and an ornate uh, mirror. And Scarlet can be seen reflected in the mirror, which I think is pretty much film school 101 in terms of um, hinting at other selves and, and dual identities. People being more than they seem. And um, there's also something that I didn't realise until this viewing is really quite meta here. Uh, the Russian boss expresses his disappointment at meeting the famous Black Widow, only to have her turn out to be simply another pretty face. And that's kind of my feeling uh, after seeing Iron Man 2, because there was no depth to that version of the character. She really was window dressing, and... There was something about her look which was awkward and impractical. You recall in that film, she's got big false eyelashes and, and the crazy hair. There's that point early on in Iron Man 2 where you see the uh, lingerie shoot of her really briefly. And that's what she was. She was more of a model than a super spy. So I like that this bad guy is saying that. He's kind of testing her here. And indeed, uh, it does get better. But first, a thug grabs her face, holding her mouth open. Again, this reminded me of earlier films. Remember, especially when she was younger and all those actors kept grabbing her head when she was a kid? Listen to episodes like Just Cause and If Lucy Fell when everybody wanted to twist their head off like it was the top of a shampoo bottle. And these guys, they're getting the pliers. It's about to get real ugly. I don't know, they're going to like pull out a teeth or tongue or something, put it on eBay, and then... The boss gets a phone call, and it's for Black Widow from Agent Coulson, another character from Iron Man 2. And we begin to realise that Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. are in total control of the situation, including Scarlet, who instantly drops the act and begins to talk very frankly and sarcastically to Coulson. She says, uh, let me put you on hold. And then the fight begins. And this, for me, is exactly what was missing from Iron Man 2. I complained then that the character was lacking that sense of a dual identity. 
because when she was unveiled as Black Widow instead of Iron Man's intern or secretary or whatever the crush she was, uh, there was no real change in personality. We did not feel like she had been playing a role. Whereas here, we actually see her being a spy and a manipulator. She's feigning vulnerability in order to entrap the enemy and then goes to town on them. And look, not only does she beat the shit out of this group of burly men, she does so while tied to a chair. And this establishes her abilities perfectly, and it helps justify why she is somebody who is worthy of joining the eventual team. You remember in the Avengers promos and things, there's that great shot of the circle of characters in the Battle of New York, and Black Widow's there with her little guns, and everyone's like, why is this woman with the guns amid a god, etc.? And this is why, because she is uh, really smart, she uses everything to her advantage, and she is a total bad ass slash ass. And this fight is fantastic, especially like the flip where the chair just cracks everywhere. And there's another shot of her feet too, as she walks away and picks up her heels, and the camera sort of tracks upwards uh, from her bare feet. And um, as she continues the phone call with Coulson, he instructs her to get the big guy. Now, this is really the cool thing about Whedon's dedication to Widow here, because we've got a ton of characters to establish, and you would think that having her just have this really big early moment that we wouldn't see her again for a while, and yet she has another big scene straight away where she's very crucial to the next mission, which is um, in Calcutta, where Bruce Banner... That's the identity of the Hulk if you really are belligerent enough to have avoided all this comic bullshit for this long. Bruce Banner, played by Mark Ruffalo, he's hiding in Calcutta and working as a medical doctor. Now, Banner's lured by a churlish girl, an urchin, trolling him about a sick mother who doesn't exist and ends up basically in a shack alone with, you guessed it, Scarlet Joe Hansen. This is another great reveal. She gets two great reveals, at least, as she steps out of the shadows, still not wearing her Black Widow suit, but wearing casual clothes with a little bit of an Indian flair. And she has an instant chemistry here with Ruffalo, and certainly far more agency than she did in Iron Man 2. She's the one who's sent here to persuade him. She's going to sweet-talk him, she's going to offer him position, she's going to keep it light and professional. She's the manipulator, and I, I think that's perfect. Again, it's setting up her abilities, setting up her value to the team. And the dual identity comes into play a bit here too, because she's playing it super cool and sweet until he yells at her, and then suddenly her gun is just trained on him in a second. Awesome close-ups of her here too. And I think um, Whedon's done that very well throughout the film of really pushing this iconic, heroic sense of character. And I feel she's always been a very expressive actor and can convey a lot in silence. And there's a real fear slash hesitation in her eyes here. Like, she knows she's in real trouble if he hulks out. And then, of course, um, we get it revealed that she also had an army of uh, dudes with assault rifles surrounding the shack outside just in case 
And then uh, we get a break. Take five, everyone, from Scarlet as Nick Fury and then Coulson recruit the other guys, starting with Captain America. Interesting that Iron Man doesn't even show up in this film until about 22 minutes in. And it's 30 minutes into the film before we catch back up with Scarlet, still in casual clothes, but now a black leather jacket, the first hint of the Widow persona. Uh, she's greeting Captain America on the helicarrier as he arrives with Agent Coulson. And she's professional. Well, and she was very professional in Iron Man too. She was always very sort of proper and focused on the job. But Whedon manages to also make her personal, the latter being definitely what was missing in Iron Man. She's more human here, and it's really nice that Whedon does give her funny lines to work with, and lines that work very well with her own dry delivery. Listeners to the show know she's great at sarcasm, so why not use it? And she becomes Cap and Banner's guide into this new world as the helicarrier rises out of the ocean and into the air. And I do feel there's this little moment as they enter the control room where she sort of glances back at them both and smiles that she really has a definite pride for all this stuff. I mean, this is a job that she likes and we've never had this real sense before of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s scope and what it is they actually do. And then later when Loki, got a mischief, is being a complete troll at the German opera, who is piloting the Quinjet that flies in to back up Captain America? There again is Scarlett Johansson. I mean, it's a very brief shot. Uh, She's suited up in the Black Widow suit for the first time, but we can only see her upper body sitting in the jet. So it's not a full reveal. Um, And in the following shot, we do see there's at least a co-pilot. Maybe she's the co-pilot. There are two of them in the jet up the front in the cockpit. But think about the value that S.H.I.E.L.D. are getting from her here. I mean, she's a super spy. She knows martial arts. She's good with firearms. She can pilot a jet. And, you know, Joss could have had anyone in here. He could have had Coulson. He could have just had a, a... random pilot character but he is using his actors he's giving her things to do and keeping her right in the thick of the action and that's kind of become my mantra here on this show to the directors the writers it's like use the actors they want something to do and thank christ whedon is actually one of the few that knows that although she does uh, fly off in the jet while thor captain america and iron man have their battle in the woods because she's a badass but she's not stupid and uh Whedon also has Widow sitting with Thor, Cap, Banner and Stark as they plan their next move after capturing Loki and uh you know she's there contributing to the conversation and the plan and so much of the merchandise and images that came out from this film really made out like the core Avengers were Hulk, Iron Man, Thor and Cap but Black Widow is always present and active and deserves a lot more. They're doing it a little bit again with uh, Age of Ultron at the moment in the promo. I mean, she's all over the trailers, obviously, but when it comes to the merchandising images, often she's missing out. So it's an hour in when we get her next big scene, and this is her confrontation with the contained, imprisoned Loki. And this opens with another acknowledgement of her unique skill set when he says not many people can sneak up on me. And she's coming in to manipulate him, again to negotiate with him. 
And it's here where we get the hint of her past relationship with Hawkeye. That's her reason for being here. Because I didn't mention this, because it was dumb. Loki touched Hawkeye with his staff. Go on, I'll wait while you have a giggle. And that made Hawkeye evil. So Hawkeye's off somewhere being evil for Loki. His eyes have gone all evil and funny. And Scarlet wants to know what's going on with him. And she sits. Again, this is masculine sitting like we saw with We Bought a Zoo. Pretty much, in fact, mirroring the way that Loki sits, which is quite nice. It's all very nicely shot, this scene. It's, you know, for a small scene between two characters, it's actually quite epic. And she wants Hawkeye back. She wants to save Hawkeye because she has to repay a debt to him. And Loki, being a god, etc., knows all about her. We get these snippets of her past suggesting um, a lot of deaths that she may have caused. There's something about a fire in the hospital. She's got a lot of blood on her hands. It's really dark, confronting, intriguing stuff. She had no backstory in the previous movie. Now we're starting to dig and learn that there's a lot more than it seems. And uh, he confronts her with all of this and she's visibly shocked. She's upset. You know, her mouth's wide. He's calling her a liar and a killer. And then he tops it all by spitting at the glass and calling her a mewling quim as she shakes in terror. A lot of Americans out there don't know this because you have a vocabulary of about 30 words. Quim means vagina. So this is actually a really odd thing for Loki to say to her. And Tom Hiddleston, he's from the UK. He knew what he was saying. But nobody else did. And she's all dramatic here. She's like, you're a monster. And she turns around, but bam, dual identity again. She has tricked the trickster. He's the god of mischief, and she tricked him. That makes her better than a god, in my opinion. This was all total manipulation. She got the info out of him that he plans to unleash the Hulk, and then calmly and professionally thanks him for his time. And this is suddenly that dry, detached Scarlet again, which has really become the core of the Black Widow character. And I think that's smart because Whedon is really playing to her strengths. Then she goes to confront Bruce Banner about all of this. Um, I will say, here's my criticism, and it's probably my only criticism of the character in this film, is I still feel like she stands a little funny and awkwardly in the suit. Like when you see those brightly lit shots of them all standing around and talking and she's just sort of standing with them. Like she's not doing a sexy pose, which I think is good, but she's not quite committing to the masculine pose either. I I feel like she always appears really stiff and maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Like she doesn't know what to do with her arms. She can't run in that thing either, but we'll, we'll get to that. And we've talked in previous episodes about directors taking things away from her. Like in Vicky Cristina Barcelona, where a lot of her thoughts and feelings are expressed by an anonymous male voiceover. Or he's just not that into you when his song at the end is, um, the audio is completely gone and a different song plays and another narrator talks over the top. Whereas I think Whedon, rather than taking stuff away from her, is very generous with Scarlett and he gives her things. Like, I love the cutaway reaction that he grants her when Cap and Stark are clashing dicks on the helicarrier. This is when Cap's like, you know, if we take away the suit, what are you? And he's like, 
billionaire playboy philanthropist and then we get a cutaway to Scarlet who's kind of like smiles like mm, yeah he's got a point anyway Hawkeye remember that guy bad Hawkeye and his bros attack the helicarrier and Scarlet is blown down into a docking bay with Banner and I absolutely love how she sells this scene even when I watched it that first time in my grumpy pants mood and I didn't love it I loved this sequence Because usually in this film, what we've established in this whole first half of the film is that when she's flustered and upset, she's actually pretending. On the inside, it's cool. But there's something about her performance here, how wide-eyed and sweaty and panicked she is, that we now know this is the real deal. And if it's rattling her, somebody who can't normally be rattled, then we know that there is a legitimate cause for concern. Banner is about to hulk out and she is trapped, hurt, sweaty and scared as fuck. And I really think Scarlet needs credit for having just as an important part in selling the transformation as he does because it's her terrified reaction that makes the whole thing more real and dangerous. And that's such an iconic shot of her where she says Bruce just before he uh, totally hulks out. And then genuine fear as she runs away from this raging beast. You know, and considering he's CGI and she's real, she's the human there who is doing all this work to sell the character. I love Ruffalo's Hulk, but this is his first appearance and they are working as a team in order to bring this monstrous character that isn't really there to life and holy shit she gets totally knocked around too they do not pull their punches with her she's no damsel in distress she gets smashed into some like boxes or pipes or something Uh, she's totally tough but you know not fighting the hulk tough so it's thor that comes in to have a big bout of fisticuffs with the old Hulk and holy shit I was just so excited watching this this movie is so much fun that's just such a great sequence all around and you know what Scarlet though you know she's not about to fight the Hulk which is fair enough but she's still not down for the count like don't count her out of this battle and that's why this is the film, not the other one. I know Iron Man 2, she trained for six months but had a three-minute action sequence. This is the film. It is Avengers that makes her a legitimate action star. Although she is shaken and hurt in the hold down there, she hears that Hawkeye is somewhere on the uh, ship, the carrier, and although she really looks like she's had enough of being beaten up for one day, she summons, summons, summons up the strength to get up and go and fight him. And this is a dark walkway, close quarters fight between the two of them. Again, no punches are pulled by either. He's totally trying to kill her. He goes with the arrows. He goes with a knife. He's punching shit out of her. Uh, She's being super acrobatic and cat-like. But it's a far more raw and visceral fight than that show pony Iron Man 2 fight. We're talking sweaty hair, grimacing faces. It's not about being cool and collected and looking pretty with the big false eyelashes. And then she knocks his fucking potato head on a railing. Knocks him out. It's absolutely great. And in the aftermath, she really seems genuinely shaken by everything that has happened. 
She's fought, is he a lover? There's something there in the past. She's lost a friend. Agent Coulson has been impaled by Loki's staff. And why is everybody holding Coulson's bloody trading cards like it's nothing? They're all like, here, let's dip our fingers in the dead man's blood. Oh, I got some in my mouth and my eyes. No matter, we're all covered in Coulson's blood now anyway. Put him in a sandwich bag or something, Fury. Christ. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson in this film packed with superheroes has already had enough big scenes. That's it. But no, she's got more scenes. Widow gets her debriefing bonding scene with Hawkeye as he snaps out of his mind washing. And there's an interesting tension here between the two of them. She's very attentive to him. Almost want to say compassionate, but she's also somewhat distant. And there are more clues to her darker past, this idea of perhaps being brainwashed at some time herself. Which is, you know, put a pin in that for when we look at what happened to the Winter Soldier in uh, the Captain America sequel later on. And it becomes this nice, quiet, post-action scene, intimate moment where the two of them really connect together about all this dark shit that's happened. You could have plotted on with this film without it, but I really think it's a nice scene to have given the two of these non-superpowered characters. And it makes me question as well, like, did Loki affect her or not back when he brought up her past? Or was it just the fact that somebody else knows the truth about her that has her on edge? Because she tells Hawkeye, I've been compromised. And she wants to wipe out the red in her ledger, which is the metaphor that keeps coming up. You know, when she talks about this great debt that she has created. And this is another thing I didn't really pick up on until watching it specifically for this podcast, is that as she's ready to fight now to go into this big battle of New York, um, it's really marking an interesting evolution for her character. This is a turning point for her where she steps out of the shadows from being a spy to becoming a legitimate Avenger because Hawkeye points out you're a spy you're not a soldier but here she's prepared to be a soldier this is the Black Widow deciding for the first time I'm stepping out into the open and I am joining this full out war and that war is yes the Battle of New York where Loki unleashes the shit Ari aliens and the third act of the film turns into the third act of Transformers Dark of the Moon and also Man of Steel although admittedly with far better characters oh and maybe she can't fly the jet because Cap interrupts this scene and he walks in and goes can anyone fly a jet and Scarlet just stares at him and then Hawkeye goes I can and then they like head off but you know in all the Avengers Lego sets Black Widow is always flying the Quinjet And she doesn't even have thumbs, just cruel little claws. So now we are at that point. It's the third act and it really is all action rather than character development. All those plot points that were dangled out there about her past, etc. That's all we're getting for this outing. However, as the film 
transforms into 45 minutes of solid action, Scarlet is given some very pivotal things to do, uh, certainly retaining her believability as this newly minted action hero. And remember that, Iron Man 2, all she did was knock out a group of guys in a corridor, basically. Here, in this film, she fires the gun in the Quinjet, and she survives when fucking Hawkeye crashes the Quinjet. How useless is this guy? People often give Black Widow and Hawkeye shit in the same sentence, but Hawkeye's the problem. He got poked with Loki's stick and became evil and, like, killed a lot of people and did all bad things, and then finally, his way of making amends is crashing the jet, dickhead. Um, what are we talking about? Things that Scarlet does that are awesome. Well, she runs around a bit awkwardly. That's not so awesome. But then she shoots her twin handguns. That's really fantastic. Um, she's slightly racist about the people of Budapest. She fights aliens hand-to-hand using her widow stingers for the first time as well, which is really cool. They're the, um, gauntlets that she wears around her wrist that, like, fire little electrical things or something and fuck up people's shit. And then she's taking the alien's weapons, which are these big staff things that also shoot lasers, and she's spinning them around like Darth Maul and beating the shit out of them, and then she's shooting lasers. She is mastering alien technology in about, like, a second. That's how good she is. And while she's doing all this, she still keeps up with the dry, scarcastic quips. And what I really loved is that she actually gets bloody and dirty and exhausted during this fight. Again, it's not a glamour fight. And then she realises, while all these other guys are just screwing around, thoughts shooting lightning and Hulk's going nuts and Christ knows what Stark's doing. But Scarlet, she's the one, she realises they need to close the portal. Because, you know, that's where all the aliens are coming out of. So she does the craziest thing yet. She leaps off Captain America's shield onto an alien spacecraft, climbs on, fucks up one of the pilots. She's all bloodied and grimacing. She then pilots it herself using one of the other aliens to steer. She rides it all the way to Stark's tower, gets hold of Loki's staff and shuts the fucking portal down. It's amazing. And I love at the end of this, like, just as she's watching Tony fall out of the sky after he sends the nuke up through the portal and everything, she just looks so disheveled and, like, she has been through it all. And then when they finally confront the beaten Loki, she is the one who's brandishing his staff. They trusted her with it. Totally earns her spot as a fully-fledged Avenger. And then there's a resolution scene, uh, back in casual clothes as they escort the handcuffed Loki away. Really interesting little thing here. She mutters something to Hawkeye, he's wearing sunglasses, and it makes him smile and kind of half laugh, but we don't really hear what it was. I'd love to hear the speculation on what she might be saying to him there. I think she's making fun of Loki's costume. And then uh, she heads off out of there with Hawkeye, although they don't make a big thing of that. It's more that you see them both near the same car. They actually make more of a thing of uh, Tony and uh, Bruce leaving together. Those two have certainly made an impression on each other by the time the credits roll. And speaking of credits, she gets fifth billing 
But hey, at least she's ahead of Hawkeye, right? And um, then, of course, there's the very, very, very end credit scene where they're all together silently stuffing their faces with shawarma in a restaurant. And, um, yeah, still uh, fueling the flames of this suggested relationship. Hawkeye does sit with his chair turned towards her. She's turned towards him, and his leg is even up on her chair. And that's foreplay in some countries. They are going to have a beautiful potato-faced red-headed child. And that is the Avengers, which overall is just a completely vast improvement on the previous incarnation of a character, addressing most, if not all, of my criticisms from her first outing. You know, this is where she stops being window dressing and becomes a really viable, iconic superhero character. And I hope it just continues to get better from here. My only concern is that they still haven't announced a solo Black Widow film. And we know what they're doing up until, what, 2017, 2018? And it's not in the cards. And I think that's a real shame. Because I think there's so many interesting things about her past that are hinted at here that it would be a shame not to give her the space to explore that. Even like, and throw in Hawkeye, I'm fine with that. Do a a Black Widow movie, have Hawkeye along for the ride. But there are depths to plumb and I'm surprised they're not gonna do that. Also, I'd really like to see this dual identity thing taken further and really push her. I mean, and I know this does happen in the comics too, she should really take on complete other identities, like infiltrate places pretending to be somebody else. We're going to talk about that a little bit in Winter Soldier. We're almost there, but the way that they do that, it's all trickery, it's special effects. I want to see Scarlett Johansson play the other roles uh, in an orphan black kind of way. I think that'd be a really great, fun challenge for her. And if she could pull it off, if she could play other people convincingly and then, you know, reveal the Black Widow at those um, moments when everything sort of falls apart and she needs to kick some ass, then that would be great. So maybe that's something uh, we can see more in the future. Now, look... This is a bit of a quicker one than I thought, but when it's a good film, what can you say? It works. I normally at this point say, why was she cast? Well, she was cast because she plays the Black Widow. That's her character. I think maybe the more apt question is, why was she given so much more to do? And that's because she is awesome. And Joss Whedon, to give him credit, is also awesome for recognizing the potential in the character and uh, working with her to expand it. So... Great credit to the both of them. Scarcabulary, was there a new phrase or term or something that we learnt this episode? I, um, I don't know. This doesn't help our discussion, but don't you think Red Ledger kind of uh, sounds like a coy way to describe that special crazy time of the month? Like, I'd love to, darling, honestly, but uh, my ledger is red. I don't know, think about that one. Or better yet, don't. And her three greatest feats. Now, sometimes with a film, I say, this is hard. I don't, I don't know what to say because not much happened. This time, 
Everything happened. Things were happening all over the place. I could pick 300 greatest feats. But I'm going to say one, uh, she began to play with this idea of the dual identity, bring that into the character. I think that's a huge step forward. Two, she became a fully fledged action hero in this film. Three, she saved the fucking city from aliens. And you know what? Four, she also beat the shit out of Hawkeye while trying to get a new expression out of him. Whoa! Black Widow a go-go. And next time, we're going to take a break, though, from Catsuits and Super Heroics. And we're going to watch Hitchcock. What is Hitchcock? Is that a sequel to Will Smith's hit movie Hitch? Which is all about his cock? I don't know. But join me next week and we'll find out. And please listen to my other shows. The other shows I'm not solo. There's actually another person here that talks with me. And they're funnier. That said, I'm pretty sure this uh, plea is kind of redundant because I think most of you listen to my other shows. And that's the only reason you listen to this one. I don't know if many people just listen to this one. But if you are that odd, strange, twisted person, listen to the other shows. The book was better. Also, FP cast. Find out everything about them at www.fruitlesspursuits or www.geekvision.tv. I probably don't need to say the www's. That's probably taken for granted. That's how old I am. And you can also find links to our Facebook group where you can come in and say, hey, I think Hawkeye's really great and you were mean. And I'll be like, fuck off, buddy. And I will ban you from the group. Not really. I will, um... Love to hear from all of you, and I'll indulge any of your dumb opinions. So uh, write them in there. Let's get to know each other. Fist bump, buddy. We're all pals. It's all great. And I will catch you next week. She starts off really small, and then she grows, she grows, she grows, she grows. Let's see how far she goes. Scar Joe, go, go.